0: Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going?
1: it's going well yeah i'm excited to be here today my t-shirt on the youtube video is the collingwood collective t-shirt this is our local youth team and they they're racing they did great this year so this is today's t-shirt
0: i like that you're trying to lure people into watching (laughs) us on youtube i was like it's
1: just us sitting here talking it's not like we're dancing or anything you know i guess we could go there but uh... i
0: did just tell you we really should learn a dance
1: i like dancing i find it very awkward but it's something i've always been drawn to but you know we talked about it in our that i think it was a previous episode now our q a over the holidays uh around uh goal setting and so i talked we were talking about fit before grit and it's weird because i think i actually really like dancing and like am fairly persistent like it's something like, we do it all the time but over my life we have like taken
0: we've, we've gone to dance it wasn't like
1: one time and we quit you know i've gone to uh, colombia for a, few, a while and we did salsa a bunch uh, i but, can't
0: even talk to you right now
1: well i didn't say like <laughs> what's the stereotypical place to go anyhow that's
0: literally the most stereotypical white male hitting 40 thing that you could possibly have said that you i mean do.
1: i was 20 when i went that's different finding yourself <laughs>
0: Ar- argentina to tango might be like yeah
1: there you go anyway so, anyway anyhow we have continued to take dance lessons but still are not very good at all
0: no we're terrible but that's because we take so long between dance lessons we just have not found like the place to take them i think is the problem we
1: did try it's a long story i can't tell you it now but we tried here in town and it went comically poorly and it wasn't our (laughs) fault at all
0: (laughs) that went poorly
1: (laughs) i'm not big on uh, external attribution but that was not on us uh so there you go so there you go. Keep taking dance classes. We're not dancing, but I'm wearing a T-shirt. Uh, maybe no shirt for next time.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We have a
1: Q&A. We're going to do some rapid-fire questions today.
0: I'm sorry, you just went really deep into, like, the Fraser archives of, like, the episode we just watched where he decides to go, like, full-on sexy because he's been banished to, like, the <laughs> night uh, <laughs> the
1: night. It's shift. true. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm
0: not wearing any pants. Let's
1: take off our clothes. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, back to back to serious questions. We do have, like, a fun rapid-fire today, so I feel like we're just getting in the fun, rapid-fire vibe. But before we get into that, quick word from our sponsor, AG1. Uh, we are now in the new year. This is still something that is on my daily habits. This, you know, We talked about micro daily habits and things that are good for your health and longevity, and I would say taking AG1 every day, uh, mixing it into my water first thing in the morning, definitely one of my foundational habits, which makes, makes sense because it is a foundational nutritional supplement.
1: It's solid, and it's uh, NSF certified. We like that. So, it's you know, mm-hmm. if we're competing in sport, uh, this is going to be something that's important just to try and make sure we're taking things that have this third party uh certification or validation.
0: And it's certified for sport, to be clear. So, right. there's two there's a difference between this. Is like I know no other AG1 ad talks about this, but this is the hill that I'm this is to, ours, yeah, to die on here. Uh, I do a lot of writing for USADA's uh, youth arm actually so this is something i'm very very familiar with at this point but certified for sport means it has been tested for sport not just for what's in it so you know that it doesn't have anything that set like it doesn't have on the label and it has everything that it says on the label so it goes both ways Uh, anyway it has all of your probiotics prebiotics adaptogens greens vitamins minerals all the good stuff in one pack Uh, the travel packs, super convenient for when you are on the go. The vitamin D drops, you get a free supply of vitamin D with your first order. Those are fantastic, especially during cold and flu season. Just honestly, if you haven't tried it yet, what are you waiting for? Give it even just give it a month, see what it does to your daily routine. Uh, You can take ownership of your health, get your five free travel packs, your immune-supporting vitamin D, plus obviously your actual Athletic Greens or AG1 uh, over at drinkag1.com backslash mollyh. Again, drinkag1.com backslash mollyh to take ownership over your health. And also, P.S., highly recommend using a frother to stir it up. Tastes fantastic. All right rapid fire time we'll see how ready? i do you ready okay i'm gonna hit you with the first one mountain bike choices do we go full suspension or hardtail in this the year of our lord 2024
1: what does that even mean i don't know okay. i just feel
0: like we're, we're in the future i don't know
1: okay we usually refer to 1984 as god's year because you were born yeah i mean it's also the year the world was supposed to fall apart i guess oh
0: my gosh speaking of which happy 40th birthday honey
1: is it my birthday today?
0: Well, not today, but this is the first time we're getting to say it on the podcast. Uh, it's actually not the first episode after your birthday; that was last week's with Stacy Sims, but I forgot to say it then. So, okay. happy fortieth birthday! So further
1: not related to hardtails and dual suspension, but I have a friend who uh, on the internet, and I know him in person as well. Uh, and uh, we actually have the same bike, which is fun, too. But he just turned 40. And so he posted this thing of like the last deadlift of before I turned 40. And I was like, are you OK? This sounds a lot like a last run. Yeah, <laughs> just geez. Like, and like, he deadlifts a lot. So I was like, this is where your spine pops out the back.
0: OK, on, on last run stories, I just have to. My dad is my dad actually turned 65 this year. OK.
1: Um,
0: and his last run, he's a landscaper. And uh, he usually has off in the winter because obviously not a lot of landscaping going on. And uh, he was out with the leaf blower for his his last run of 2023. Yeah, and
1: at 65, like, this is, you know, is this, is this the last day at work, potentially? And then, yeah. So, yeah, he turtled himself.
0: Yeah, he, uh, it was one of the backpack leaf blowers. And, uh, yeah, tripped on a rock, went backwards, uh... Like threw out his shoulder, to, uh, landed
1: on the backpack. Yeah, landed on blowers. the backpack, yep.
0: turtled himself. Uh, but you know what? He's he's up. Here's at the gym the next day. Dave Herford, Hard Man Award.
1: Okay, so uh, that was four digressions from dual suspension well, hardtail. I, I
0: think forty being forty years old matters for this question because you have seen it all. Like you were on the janky first full suspension bikes that were just comical. I mean, yeah. The ones with like the big springs.
1: Yeah, we had Y frames. Were fun. Yeah um started on a ccm rigid bike so and
0: 26 inch wheels i mean this question doesn't even talk about tires or sorry wheel size
1: tires or wheels or like it all it all factors in so i would say if you if if this is always like this flow chart right you could almost make a flow chart maybe this is something molly can work on uh you like a good No,
0: molly is not good at infographics oh okay
1: you don't like infographics
0: i love them i'm just I'm I'm not a patient person. Put the little white
1: man and he's like got a construction hat on. Yeah. So, if money's not an obstacle, 100% dual suspension. I don't think there's like really a great reason for a hardtail, but there's a few caveats. Um, you know, if let's say you're doing Leadville, which is sort of where this question is coming from uh i'm trying to answer this generally but this is sort of where it's coming from i, I think you would see like a lot of the pros I, I think are going for like the lightest like i know alexi and um who won
0: keegan
1: keegan i think they were both on hard tails like very light but keep in mind that they're pushing or just under six hours now uh so their the race is relatively shorter than the rest of us uh you know if we're trying to get like under the 12 hour thing like the race is twice as long and our bodies to your point are probably in the you know 40s 50s uh for a lot of the folks right so
0: so suspension is gonna give you a bit more comfort
1: comfort control like when you're climbing there's control when you're descending there's more control like you might not get flipped over your handlebars right like if you're just going for lightness then you risk flatting you get fatigue you you know get kicked off your bike you might not be able to climb something that a dual suspension might grab the traction on Um, yeah so again like I think almost always dual suspension now that gets into like do you get something like the Trek uh, super caliber where it's sort of like this like f1 style you know shorter travel dual suspension that's what I would race uh, in Leadville and what I would race in cross-country Olympic But if you're someone who really wants to ride your bike and have fun, then I would go more like a Trek Fuel or something like that. That's more like a a cross-country. Or whatever
0: it is, make it a (laughs) Trek.
1: Yeah, it's not an ad. I didn't wear my Trek shirt, but I probably should have. So I think to keep it long, I would probably get a dual suspension just because it's going to be more fun. Now, the only caveat is, uh, or not the only, a couple other here would be like if you don't have a lot of money and your bike's going to be a janky heavy bike, then you need to go probably hardtail just to get decent components and like light enough. Um, And then you're going to be into just trying to like maximize maybe with tires and now with dropper posts and inserts, you can get a little bit more comfort out of the front shock and the tires. But yeah, that's...
0: What is your, I guess, like minimum viable group set, would you Uh, say? I don't
1: know. I mean three down <laughs> whatever three down is
0: okay actually i think that's actually a really good like because i i can't remember the names of them for like shimano reserve but i yeah. think that's a really good yeah go like what's the top one and then go down yeah two, two like, or
1: three down is probably the way to go
0: i i don't think any like very few people need the highest of the high end but uh, definitely, having demoed a lot of bikes over the years. Well,
1: and you mean demo? I mean demo. And when you like destroy yeah, bikes,
0: yeah, you uh, demolish. It's a lot by... nicer when
1: the replacement cost is not a thousand dollars.
0: But I mean, I've tested bikes that had you know like much lower end components and much higher end components, and I, I can say like th- there's a good middle ground, like definitely the middle. But holy crap, like when you get the really good stuff, like suddenly you realize what you've been missing. Hmm.
1: Yeah. So I mean there's trickle down over time, right? So I always just think about that like 2 years ago, you know, that 3 sure. 3 down was probably the top of the line, so it's it's probably fine for most of us and we're looking for, you know, the, again the replacement cost is a consideration when we're thinking about getting back on trail and and making this, you know, not a so unaffordable. Uh, but then there is also like a resilience sometimes there too. Like some of them are built, you know, I don't know that you could say that they're necessarily are always stronger than the highest end, but that's the way I would go with it. But that's a secondary question. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing is like, I do have a hard tail that's more for coaching and like fall riding. So if you are someone who just like destroys bikes and rides in like mud and rain all the time, sometimes the hard tails are, are fun for that. It, you know and, and this bike i have is like a play hardtail so it's pretty like uh slack head tube and fork big fork on the front big tires uh i have inserts in that so it's a really fun bike it's not as fun as a, a dual suspension for like pounding through things and going super fast but it goes really fast downhill uh, and again the value on that bike is quite good and it, it's not super light but it's a lot lighter than the equivalent you know dual suspension would right. be uh at that money so,
0: yeah. And last budget note is dual suspensions definitely do take more by way of maintenance. Like it For is sure. You're literally... going to have to do
1: bushings and shock rebuilds and all of this. Yep. So I think
0: when you are looking at the budget, if you are between sort of like a, a you know good hardtail or like a medium dual suspension, think about not just the initial cost outlay, but also increase maintenance cost on dual suspension especially if you are really hard sure. on bikes i
1: guess the only other note there which sort of plays into the dual suspension and the cost is the aluminum now if you look at especially the big brands like trek and specialized and so forth have really put a lot of time into aluminum and, and you can actually get pretty light aluminum bikes now i
0: love an aluminum bike
1: um so that's another consideration too that you could get you know if that gets you you know maybe the weight and the components and there's sort of this you know, figuring out the right fit there. Uh, but I, I always think that, you know, there's the race you're doing, but then there's also like, what is the riding you intend to do on this bicycle mm-hmm. the rest of the year? Uh, and can you get sort of like a fit in, in that in that yeah. position? But yeah, dual suspension is definitely, definitely good.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's gotten so good. Like it's just now, it, 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 it. we talked about the Trek Y frame, right? Where it's like bouncing. And this was like whatever year that was. I was in elementary school. So it would be like, I don't know year 2000 you know 99 2000 just nothing it was so bouncy and there was no lockouts and anything but now everything locks out completely and they're light and i don't yeah. know they're pretty magical
0: there you go um okay uh, do you want to talk heart rate stuff
1: sure we have a post that's one of our most popular posts is around so you have heart rate fails you're getting errors um You you don't really don't want that. (laughs) As someone who looks at a lot of files, it's really annoying when like there's every day is like this spike in heart rate because your heart rate strap's reading wrong. A lot of times it's at the front of the workout, so we have a post that's sort of you know clean it, put the battery in backwards to try and reset it, replace the battery. Uh, make sure that the heart rate unit is uh, oriented upright. So if it says Wahoo on it or something, it's not true for every heart rate strap that this is the case. But generally, some of them are sensitive to like left, right. So the logo should be proper. Oh, you know?
0: interesting. Yeah.
1: Uh, and I, I don't even care which one. I like some of it matters, some of it don't. But just like align your logo, this is a good general practice. Like your logo should be aligned. Uh, and then if, it, if it's just not working and you've had it for a while, well, no, so if it's not working and you haven't had it for a while, then send it back and get the warranty. Most of the companies are very good and we'll probably just ship you a new one to get you to be quiet. Uh, if you've had it for like years, you might just need to get a new one, in which case there's some cheap ones. Uh, and I hate to say this, but like on Amazon that like honestly have been lasting longer than some of these like name brand ones. Uh, and do the, the Bluetooth and Ant Plus so you can use it on your phone or on your, you know, bike computer. Um, we'll put the link in the show note for the one.
0: Uh, that you've had for a while now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So there you go.
0: Perfect. Um, next question was how to use heart rate and RPE sort of, I guess, combining them. Like, how do you figure out, like, if your heart rate's really high, but your RPE doesn't feel super high or vice versa? Hmm.
1: Uh, Yeah. And I I was thinking about this. uh, There's almost a scale if you think about this, the year, right? Where like when you start early in the year, probably feeling is the main thing. You're getting back to training. Heart rate might be high. Power might be low. So you almost start just focused on feeling. Like, are you getting out? Have some fun. Move. Finish the like duration or whatever is sort of dictating that workout but you almost start with feeling then once you get into like you know two and three months in probably heart rate's important because you're doing more endurance and tempo you're going to limit it with the endurance heart rate's normalized a bit more at that point you're getting fitter so you know heart rate doesn't instantly going really high I would keep feeling in there because it might be cold out and your heart rate might be low or you might be indoors and your heart rate might be high because of the demands of the heat. Um, So still, I would limit it with heart rate, but also, you know, triangulate. It's not triangulating, but sort of triangulating with, with heart rate and maybe a bit of power if you have it. And then probably as you start getting closer to race, you're thinking more about a pace or a power or a time up a hill um which is going to still tie in like rpe because you still are feeling and pacing and and trying to go as hard as you can hard rpe uh, but not so hard that you fade right and you're trying to learn about this and this is where these other two metrics heart rate and power can really triangulate off of those um did that answer the question around rpe
0: i think so perfect (laughs) rapid fire i think you
1: always want to use them all people don't like the feeling one either people don't like feeling or they like get confused about numbers the numbers don't matter so much it's just like is this supposed to be an endurance workout which is like low three four out of ten and then or was it supposed to be moderate five to seven or was it supposed to be very hard eight to maybe ten you don't see a lot of tens usually in yeah uh in the workout or admit, in workouts i should say i
0: admit i struggle with moderate like i find moderate very difficult i think with the exception <coughs> of during races but i find like in workouts it's very hard for me to tell what where like easy ends and moderate begins and uh, moderate ends and hard. Yeah, they, they
1: blur right I, and i think so like moderate versus hard to me is moderate you are confident of finishing whatever you're doing oh for sure yeah so slow down if you're like oh i don't know and i'm gonna quit like slow down right and then i think the breathing is also the other thing. You know, at moderate, the breathing's not getting haggard and like really like ragged. Um, when you're endurance, there shouldn't really be like this is the talk test, right? So if we start seeing that deepening or your focus is narrowing, Uh, That would be probably getting to moderate, but you're right. This is the the tricky thing for a lot of people and really this question of like, you know, I'm out there and my heart rate's really high because I'm, you know, not, I'm newer to cycling. I I think for a lot of newer cyclists, I just, it doesn't matter that much. Like I think just try and, you know, not be maxed out and finish whatever you were supposed to do that day.
0: Perfect. Uh, Choosing the right weight for combination exercises. Okay. So I guess this is where you're doing like a, like squat and then press up, or and this usually stuff. comes
1: from like you're in like a buns and buns and guns class at the oh the God. local gym or something. I
0: would go to that. Why don't we have those around here?
1: <laughs> we do. They're at the Y. Yeah, they. I think they might actually call it buns and guns. No, it's inappropriate, but uh, or maybe it's appropriate. No, they. do I guess not. it depends if you're working on your buns and your guns. Uh, so I probably wouldn't do a lot of these where you're like squatting down and doing a, a bicep curl or something. I would probably, you know, put those separate. So squat with the appropriate weight. Um, but there's lots of example. One I might use is like a curl to press. So you're like, usually you're in like a split stance and you go like a bicep curl and then press the weight over your head. Now you could probably press more, uh, probably press more than you could bicep curl. It depends, I guess, on your guns uh so in that case that that might be an exception where like I, I do do something like that so all that to say you have to go like that's the dilemma is that you have to go with the <laughs> if you have to do both these exercises you can only in the, the bicep squat is a good example you can probably squat tons more but you you're limited because you're, you're supposed to do this bicep curl so i i just probably wouldn't do that very often but it's okay to do things like that sometimes maybe in a warm-up or you know as part of like a a big routine you're doing, you know, a cardio routine or something. Well,
0: and maybe in that case, this is a good chance to work on really good squat form, keeping your heels down, trying to get your butt lower than you can when you're holding a really sure. heavy weight. Sure, so. range of
1: motion. And maybe you only have that lighter weight, so then the combinations make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, I'll, you know, you see these in programs as like a third or fourth workout where it's sort of this like, as you say, more like a mobility, you know, working on range of motion and just moving your, your joints. So I think they're fine um but you do at some point want to like if if you've been doing this for like weeks and weeks and weeks and you're not seeing progress you know and your goal is to maybe increase your leg strength then you're going to have to challenge your leg strength right um and do your bicep curls as accessories right and and these accessories like again i wouldn't probably even do bicep curls most of the time uh because we do rows and pull-ups and these things but some people like working buns and guns and so like the accessory workouts which is like your beach workout you know you're doing your pecs and your biceps those can be between or at the end of a workout where you actually do a bit of that bodybuilding like fatiguing to try and build your guns or you know what you know toning whatever you want to call it but i would do the priority lifts and then leave those accessories for between or after um so they don't get in the way
0: i'm sorry i'm just trying really hard to think of other body parts that you can rhyme and i can't it's it's been driving me crazy this last two minutes.
1: Chest and Nope, there's nothing.
0: I don't know. Legs. We'll, we'll come back to it.
1: Legs and eggs.
0: I thought about that one. Yeah. But that's what's it, an egg? Like, no, it's all like pelvic floor. Like ovaries.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Because they do put squats like it's supposed to be helpful uh, yeah, as there you part go. of. Yeah. So there you go. You got a class. I you got can go lead class. a new yoga clay legs and eggs Uh,
0: everybody everybody who comes to our every consummate athletic client coming to our friday morning (laughs) is gonna be pleasantly surprised this friday
1: okay
0: Uh, okay anyway uh next question um strength strength training is taking a while
1: yeah go faster
0: Okay, done. Next question. (laughs) Well, I
1: think sometimes you'll see it in routines. And and this is, you know, Dan John would say similar. Like, you you sort of take the rest you need. So if it says, like, two minutes rest, like, a lot of times you don't. Most cyclists don't need that much. You know, they're very strong cardio. They're not lifting that much weight. You can just sort of go again when you need to go again, uh, assuming you can hit it. uh, You know, the thing... Again, at some point, you'll get strong enough that you do need to recover more between these loads. But most of us aren't there. Um, The other thing I see is that people you know they're resting between and taking a long time between exercise it's okay to move a little steadier or the the warm-up and the cool down are this like massive thing right. you know if you're a cyclist you probably don't need to ride your bike in the warm-up unless that's part of it like some of my clients i will do like you know to try and get a bit more bike time in there perhaps or it's the only time they can ride their bike at, you know is in the gym or something but you know you sort of get in there and start you know do a couple lunges do a couple you know inchworms whatever you're into for your warm-up maybe a tiny bit of skipping just to get like a little bit of cardio going blood flowing but you know that warm-up doesn't need to be very long again because most of us aren't you know deadlifting a car or something so just get into it and like warm up into the thing a little quicker um and then i think look at the routine right sometimes we get into these routines off the internet and and it's just They might be too long. Like I do think there's like, what are the couple key things you're trying to do? There's only six things you probably need to do in a strength workout, so.
0: Yeah, I'd say for for most of us, 45 minutes would probably be like the like total time you would spend on most strength workouts. Like occasionally you might get one that takes a little longer. But and I
1: get it. If I was going to a gym, I would spend an hour. But if you're into like an hour and a half and you're a cyclist, you know, an endurance athlete, like that's probably too long. Like well, to clearly, figure out something else.
0: Clearly the person asking this is complaining about it. So... Yeah, like it's a problem. That it's so you might
1: just cut something out and, and you, you know, say you're cutting the core out or the accessory things. Maybe that's something you can do at home as a third workout, you know, later in the week, you know, on the weekend, you, you know, Saturday after your at work intervals, you do a bit of like core burner or something like that. I think that can work OK. But yeah, there's not a real reason, certainly over an hour. Like it's just either mo- either you're like taking way too much time standing around uh, between which you don't need to do. And maybe you just thought you had to like rest for 30 seconds or a minute between everything. Uh, oh,
0: here's a question. At the gym, you know, often you're like waiting for dude bro, mcdude bro to like finish on the squat rack. Right? Can you, would you, if you had a set, would you change up the order versus waiting for dude bro, mcdude bro to like oh, take off yeah, all his weights? Yeah,
1: probably. It, it's tricky at a, a gym, right? So that's where your routine probably reflects your environment a bit. Uh, a lot of the routines I build will, will be more home-oriented Uh, But yeah, you do need to be careful because if you're at the squat rack, you can't be, you know, gone for 10 minutes and then come back, you know, if you're you're doing like a superset or a circuit, you know, you're going to have to probably stick there. And maybe you can do like ups, you know, between the squats or something like that. But, you know, you're going to have to do so in that case, that's your main lift. And then maybe you'd go to like a circuit or some other stuff that's a bit more open, you know, free weights, you know, and, and mats or something. But yeah, that's a good question. And and so sometimes that's, a, a you know, the routine you're doing is like a home routine versus a gym routine.
0: Right. But like if I had squats, bench press, you know lateral something i don't know like if i had five exercises and someone is on the squat rack and it's you're like aware it's going to be like waiting you know four or five minutes for them to get done Mm -hmm. would you just skip it and come back to it later i think so yeah
1: Yeah, i guess you gotta do something so yeah i would just change the order probably
0: yeah again
1: most of us aren't throwing a maximal dead yeah. you know back squat or something like that. well
0: yeah and i guess like the question is can you sub in like it's, it's frustrating to not get to use the equipment you want to use if you're in a gym but yeah could you just go over and goblet squat it exactly
1: yeah you do that or something like that and it's just a little different right which is you know you, you got to be careful with that but that's just the reality right? like it's something that's better than nothing in most mm-hmm. cases unless you get injured so
0: perfect yeah okay uh zwift low cadence random recommendation question mark
1: Oh, that one's like really niche, but sometimes Zwift, if you're following a workout, apparently will like, if, if there wasn't a cadence suggested, sometimes it just decides that it's going to like throw this really random, like low. Oh,
0: Re- me and Zwift are best friends right. now.
1: Yeah. So it sort of gets this question, like how low is too low? Uh, if it's not suggested or like what cadence should you do? And there's a big range there depending on the person and the body. But if if you're doing endurance, like easy pace, generally, you're not going to let your cadence go low. So like Molly will often ride at like 70, you know, maybe, maybe lower RPM.
0: And I mean, I think 63 is my sweet spot.
1: it's so low so when people start cycling often that's the case that it's like around 70 you'll see that in studies sometimes is like an efficient cadence um
0: and then some of us just maintain that
1: but the more yeah and so you have to be careful because like molly also does fairly well usually you know if there's a lot of attacks in a group i I wouldn't expect you to do great um but most you know camps and stuff it doesn't really matter that much for molly and her goals so you do want to look because sometimes it's like well this person's doing something different than i would expect but they're doing okay so if they're doing okay it's fine but that said generally over 80 rpm is is a good rule of thumb like if you start seeing 70s and you're doing endurance i would say try and you know shift easier you know pedal faster uh but i guess this (laughs) particular question is like there's random things in zwift sometimes so just be careful
0: yeah Uh,
1: i would say read the description of your workout if you're following a plan not just you know blindly following the zwift thing as much as people want to turn brains off sometimes
0: Mm -hmm. yeah Okay, um, reaching pull-up goals. So with consummate athlete, like we actually do have a set of strength standards that we now give consummate athlete clients, uh, and one of which is towards the direction of being able to do pull-ups, which sounds like a silly thing for cyclists. However, they like we think it's a really important measure of strength for, you know, real life. and you know, it's usually a good measure, honestly, of you know, body composition even. so for mm-hmm. us, it's it's one of those things to work on.
1: Yeah, it ties in a lot. I, I think it ties in your ability to like develop tension, grip strength, um, shoulder mobility, right? So if you're looking at you know, we're trying to screen you to say like if you crash on your mountain bike, is this gonna be like catastrophic cat- I mean it's maybe not catastrophic, but if you blow a rotator cuff, you know, it's you're you're out for a while. Uh, So if you can get your arms over your head more often, this is good. So this is really the goal is get your arms overhead, have grip strength so you can hold onto your bicycle. We know that grip strength is associated with overall body strength, longevity. So that's really the standards. It's not saying you're going to win the bike race because of the standards. We've talked about this before. The standards are really just like, are there gaps in your program or in your, your fitness, your health, your wellness that might feed back into cycling? But also just, you know, again, we want your shoulders to function as a human's shoulders probably should. So we're gonna say, how do you get better at pull-ups say you do none? Is that the question you think? I think so, yeah. yeah so a, do you have a pull-up bar? This is the biggest screen that we why we do this is like is there anything to hang off in your house because if your environment isn't set up to hang you'd not you don't even know or the answer is no. like yeah. there's just no way that you can roll you know five pull-ups if you've never done a pull- up right It's unlikely some people are you know just you know their bodies are, are such a way that it's fine you know you're tend to be very good i was
0: gonna say i am one of those
1: <laughs> like off the couch you probably do more pull-ups than i do um
0: yeah, and that's just a weird freak genetic thing. That's not anything to do with Well, it. there's a
1: bit of power to weight there, but there's also like, you know, you have muscle in your shoulders. Yeah, um,
0: and I have worked on it over the years, but like when I was eight, like the presidential physical fitness test, I don't know if anyone else remembers the horror of that. Like I would fake running the mile. I would never run the mile, mm-hmm. but I could crush the pull-ups. Right. And that was on nothing. So it is a genetic thing, but it is also very trainable. So the pull-up bars, we have one that's like 25 bucks on Amazon. It goes in the door frame. It does not wreck your doorframe. You can take it down. We'll put this link in
1: there. There's also stands now uh, that are like one to 200 uh, bucks. You know, if you have room and then that opens up, they also give you like a dip machine, which could be nice. Another pressing option. And also, you know, I I really like the dip thing. uh, If you can picture dips where you're sort of like supporting yourself like a gymnast on parallel bars, I guess would be Mm -hmm. sort of what it is. It's actually really nice for the back. Like i find that actually like really nice i'll get like a, a traction on my spine i find that's huh. really not every like different back pains have different you know things sure. not that i have a ton of back pain but i do find that that's very therapeutic so i'll actually use the kitchen counter a lot of times just to like lift my feet off the ground uh and sort of right. press in and and so this is good too so a get the bars because this is going to let you hang
0: and then b hang
1: Then we're going to hang. So then we want to see, can you increase your hanging time? Don't even worry about trying pull-ups and struggling. I think this is where we, one, is building grip strength, building shoulder strength, bicep strength. The biceps are going to get stronger just from static hanging. Um, We can add things like shrugs or some core work by doing like knee lifts while you're hanging there, but set some goals around hanging time. And and I think that's really motivating because you're going to see that go up every time you do it. It'll be 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 45, 60, and and you could go as far as you want, go to two minutes, even say, right? I think after about a month of that, you know, you could start trying single pull-ups or something like a, I I call them jumping pull-ups, but you have to be very careful if your shoulders are attached to you know, an older body, uh, jumping up that you're in control at the top you don't want to just like jar that you you know as you're jumping into a pull-up but you can use like a box to step up so your chin's above the bar and then slowly lower yourself down for five and, and really counting it out you know five honest seconds even longer on the way down mm-hmm. again you're just hanging but now you're getting used to eccentrically this is eccentric so lengthening the muscle while you're working now oh,
0: crossfit's very big on the bands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where do you, where do you come in on that? I think you can be
1: careful with those and, and, and I think they're fine. They're a great tool to start to of build up. I wouldn't do them as your only pull up. So maybe you have three workouts in the week, or maybe you're doing a little bit every day, which is a great you know way to just work on the skill over time. Uh, I would do it maybe one or two of the days. And then, you know, maybe you're doing the slow lower one day and then maybe some hanging the other day and, and mixing it up just so the load's a bit different uh, in there. The band's. You got to be careful because even in the gym with the squat racks, I've seen people like flip themselves right off the bar, like keep your hands attached to the bar at all times. Do not let go. Uh, and then especially with the doorway pull-up bars, that gets dicey because the doorway pull-up bar, can. if you get pressure going the yeah. wrong way, that it comes off the doorframe, right? It, it's a hook. It's very cool how it works. But if the band pulls you the wrong way against gravity, then you could find yourself on the ground.
0: And I would say, like, I'm personally not a big fan of the bands, only because I like the just ultimate simplicity of just the doorway pull-up bar. I oh. think it's it's really good. Especially even for the jumping, like, doorways are low, like... I even I can hold the bar and touch the ground right. so it doesn't take much so you can tow
1: like... yourself through the sticking point and so that's the next thing is like maybe you help yourself a little bit on the way up with a band or with a toe up or you could be a partner or a step or something That's just you're towing yourself through the like first quarter and then the next ones maybe you can pull yourself into and then you mm-hmm. can get a set of five or a set of three um
0: what's your what's your underhand overhand tape
1: so our standards are for women can be whatever you want so there's actually neutral as well which i actually prefer that i call it hammer grip but the neutral so there's on the doorway pull-up bars and a lot of the ones in the gym will have like a neutral grip so that it's like coming out like poking you in the eye basically
0: i've always wondered what they were
1: and so that i really like uh but you can do chin up which is palms facing you facing your face uh or palms out which i would call more of a pull-up and that's palms out so that would be for men we say five of those and then women is whatever you want to get five uh is the target we set again could you be stronger for sure you could uh but and, that usually a lot of women once you they can access that bicep a bit more it's actually like you, they can usually get a couple or, mm-hmm. or sometimes you know it's closer to get a couple
0: and i think the reason we have these standards just to like kind of explain that is is it's not necessarily that you're going to get every single standard but it does give you something to work towards and, and- there's
1: going to be obviously genetic like i have a bunch of clients that can squat you know, and hold a squat. They're like, how long? you want this for like 20 minutes? It's like, yeah, I spent a lot of time in India in my youth. And, you know, or my legs are just like a certain proportion that I'm built to squat and I have ankle mobility, right? Like Mm -hmm. I've preserved this my whole life. So kudos, maintain that. But there's going to be probably a few other things that are trickier.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like there's a lot of the standards that are not easy for me. It's not like...
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, and then from there with pull-ups, I would say once you start being able to do some reps, a lot of times, you know, these strength workouts are three sets of eight. Unfortunately, pull-ups are are like a max effort. So when you think about how much weight you're lifting, it's probably more than any other exercise you're doing. Like no one at home is is generally doing, not no one, but most people that we work with, you know, they have a, a 20 pound Dumbbell and they're squatting it right. with their powerful legs, but then you go to do a pull up and it's insert your body weight, you know, less, For your less, arms. less. Yeah. You, I guess you're not lifting your hands, but you can so you can subtract that. But think about that, right? Your arms versus your legs, and what are you asking?
0: <laughs> Minus your hands. So
1: like think about it as like this is your max. You, you see the people on the internet. I talked about uh, this guy that I know who is forty and he's like got these max you know, tons of weight. He's deadlifting. That's sort of what you're doing with your pull up So you have to change your rep scheme a little bit to three sets of three, five sets of two, something like that, right? Yeah. And, and good. That's what we want is heavy, maximal pulls. So you're going to have to just come to terms that it's, that's great. And that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And, and we're aiming for five in the standard, but the workout could be five sets of two, three sets of three. You know, this is.
0: And there's always stuff you can tweak on them. Like for me, I'm forever trying to make sure that I get like all the way down, like instead of coming, like, two-thirds or three-quarters of the way down.
1: There's infinite, and then you can start adding weight. So I now wear, like, my 10-pound weight vest to get my three sets of three. Uh, I I do the odd time where I'll use a band to try and get, like, a set of 10 or something like that out of it. Um, There's lots of ways to play with it, right? And and I think, to your point, yeah, you just go way slower on the up and the down. And, And, you know, pause, you know, hang for 10 seconds. Dan John has this one thing that's, like, 30. So you do one, hang for 30 seconds, do one hang for 30 seconds. So two minutes total, I think it would be five, five pull-ups. It's only five, but it takes you two minutes and it is uh, a, it is a brute. Yeah.
0: I was so mad at you the other day, by the way, you were on the trainer and you've set up the trainer. So it's like directly looking at where we have the pull-up bar and like I did beautiful pull-ups and I was like so stoked for myself and you were on the trainer at the time, but you were like in the middle of an interval. So I don't think you even like registered that I was there doing them. But I was like, as I was doing them, I was like, He's totally watching. This is amazing. I'm just like crushing this. I try and
1: not comment on women's fitness and the the things that they're doing when they're doing them. Mm. Unless asked for my opinion, I hold it to myself.
0: Didn't even notice your wife just.
1: I noticed. I just don't try and not notice things because (laughs) I wasn't asked to notice them. So there you go. So pull up. So hopefully that's helpful through the scale, play with them. But I think the The reason we the biggest thing is just like can you hang in your home, right? And I think for health, this is a big deal. This is something that you know shoulder mobility, the traction on the low back. It's just a great thing to keep in the arsenal. So it's setting up your environment. This is a perfect environment. Uh, Such
0: a cheap, like easy thing to add. Well,
1: and you can make it expensive or cheap, sure. however you want to do it.
0: Oh, actually, on the note of the back thing, like I, talk, I think I've even said on the podcast, I was having like a really bad neck thing for a couple weeks. I, <clears throat> I'm getting old. I woke up wrong for like two weeks. My neck was just bothering me, and it like I let it go for a few days, assuming it was just going to kind of heal on its own, and it didn't seem to be. And honestly, hanging is I think what actually ended up helping it. Like I started doing. See that's a, that, and then you'll get
1: like a pop. Um, you know, and, and it is, it's great. There's nothing, there's nothing bad about a pull-up bar. Yeah.
0: So, good. (laughs) you know, I guess,
1: unless you've been told to be careful overhead because you've now, you know, had something to your shoulders, but, uh, there you go.
0: Okay, uh, I think probably we'll say this is our maybe last one. Um, do you want to talk about the question about snowshoeing? I think we are now right in the perfect season. <coughs> yeah,
1: for that. so we love cross training. Consman Athlete, the logo's here. You you're, you're watching on YouTube. I think
0: maybe two months ago had an episode all about. cross-training. We have a t-shirt.
1: Cross training is not a crime. You can check it out in the Consman Athlete store. Um, several other great t-shirts there too. So cross training. The question comes. You know, you're you have a cycling training plan you're following. And so on Sunday, you have your three hour long ride, you might do this on the trainer or a fat bike or outside with your fenders, however, however you do it. But you're like, okay, now the conditions are great for snowshoeing, cross country skiing, uh, running, if you're a runner, what else do people do for cross training?
0: Uh, you just put me on the spot. Paddleboarding, rowing.
1: Right. So first,
0: hiking. what
1: I say is wear your heart rate strap. If you have to bring your bike computer in your pocket or your pack, that's a great idea. You know, just so you can record this because it's still your training. And what we want to see is, is that heart rate and the 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 feeling, feeling has to play into this a little bit sometimes too. Is it about what we would expect? You know, zone one, zone two. It doesn't have to be like top of zone two. Uh is it is it cardiovascular exercise? You know, when we're we're strictly talking about cross training, like as an endurance athlete, is the cardiovascular demand there? If you're playing hockey, it's going to look like max effort and then nothing, max effort and then nothing. So often hockey is not a great replacement for you know your three hour long ride. But snowshoeing for three hours, assuming you're conditioned, assuming blah blah blah, like fade, ease into stuff. Your heart rate probably going to be a little lower in snowshoeing for this particular example, but it is a steady cardiovascular, fairly good muscle activation, similar. I think it's a great sport. You'd see it's like, again, it's lower heart rate, but like steady heart rate across hours.
0: I do want to point out if you're doing a three-hour hockey game, you probably shouldn't also then go right into a three-hour endurance ride. We should probably modify your training slightly. So that was not to say definitely do your hockey sure. all out. And Usually then we, still- that's
1: it. Yeah, it's not a replacement. Usually we'll put hockey in the schedule for clients and whether we actually like quote unquote count it. But it is there and you have to account for because it, it is, you know, it is a load. It just not. It's more like an interval load. For most people. Again, if you don't believe me, you know, if you just play shinny for an hour, maybe it is actually okay and and can go into that bucket of cross training in the general preparation period.
0: Yeah, but you're right. Wearing the heart rate strap for it and
1: yeah and so skiing is cross-country skiing nordic skiing skate and classic are generally gonna be pretty good you have to be sometimes careful with the intensity on that one just because it is full body and a lot of us suck at cross-country skiing which is a good thing but sometimes the load can get high there so you just have to be careful it might look more like a tempo workout and and again you might sub that into your plan while the skiing's good and i think that's that's beautiful it's great
0: flip side downhill skiing similar to hockey like again it's going to take time effort energy so like it shouldn't like you shouldn't necessarily do it on top of your full training schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so just that, like, no, it's not a swap, but yes, it should be considered within your training plan.
1: I think so. Yeah, and, and so that's it. Like, I think go and wear your heart rates up, and and you would probably see similar. If you're a hard charging downhill skier, like the heart rate activation may be significant, but it's going to be for whatever the length of a run is and or the hectic so part time. that you're really pushing it. And then you're sitting. Like you're obviously sitting for a long chunk. So. There's different ways to account it, but yeah, it's probably not one that's going to be a direct trade. It's just going to be, unfortunately, yeah, it's not. But like, I think you should, if you're, if you love skiing, downhill skiing, you should downhill ski and yeah. and then figure out the plan from there. And this, you know, again, gets into our goal setting episode where maybe if you're a real if you love down skiing just don't put your races in March April let yourself have a transition back out onto the bike and give yourself some time to get ready for a June July event and then and then it all fits right it's beautiful and you can still do the things you like and feel fulfilled and all this stuff right yeah Mm -hmm. don't don't fight it right like I think you you've figured out how to be active in the winter you know go with that you know (laughs) whatever that looks like to be outside yeah
0: love it Okay, well, you know what? I think we are going to wrap up there. As usual, uh, hit us up over at Athlete on Instagram, uh, consummateathlete.com for show notes and leave us any messages or any questions you want answered. Um, yeah, excited for, you know, what's, what's coming here in the new year. And uh, if you want to start the new year on a good foot, do us a favor, rate, review, subscribe. It would mean so much to us. We really appreciate it. All right, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.